pick it. She lays it off. Teresa Polias. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. What a hit from Melina Rez. Wow. And Sam Kerr has a hat trick. Meet him out. One nil. And we're back. Lucky another week of Radio Dub. And you know what? That always makes me very happy to be back. And you know, I've heard some people say we only care about Victorian football here. But that's not true, Lucky. And this show is specifically dedicated to the work and the talent of New South Wales. One of those people may have. Well, this show, this, this episode sorry, of the this, show, this specifically, show. yeah. One of the people we are speaking to today, I still, you know, they're still a Victorian at heart. And so, 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 so the best way we can pay our dues to New South Wales is by speaking to the only Victorian absolutely. we know there that has a connection. Absolutely, Great. and uh, they're a talented individual. And uh, we also spoke to a player who played in the uh, NPL New South Wales. Uh, they, they weren't born in Victoria, born as far in, as we yeah, we know. Yes, who um, gave us a lot of interesting facts about themselves. And uh, I'm excited. Like, I'm good. It's good to be back this week and uh, to talk about something different because. Because I feel like a lot of people, maybe if they're in Victoria, they might have a look at, you know, the NPL Women's in Victoria. And if you're in Sydney, you might look there. But we like to cover all the bases here. And uh, the first person we'll be speaking to today, commentator of the game. You might hear his uh, voice on our intro. You hear him occasionally. Talking about Melina. Uh, ooh, Melina Reyes. Melina Reyes. Thank you. Just the name is You've safe. spoken to her. I have never I've spoken to her. You have. She's lovely. She's lovely. Um, and uh, we hear him on cha- Channel 10. On Paramount, and that's none other than Teo Pelizzeri. Teo, can you thank you for joining us? And uh, how are you? What do you mean, Melina Reds? I was meet him up, one nil, isn't it? <laughs> I Teo, thought you were the Teresa Polias guy. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sorry, I'm mistaken, I'm mistaken. But you know, if 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 Teo had got that meet him up guy, I feel like Teo would have done a, a better job at that one. Was, if you have seen that, you seen the goal? This is the bit about this show that did. Like fascinates me no end is that we have a piece of commentary in the intro that yeah. you don't even like that much. Be like, yeah, no, I, can I be honest? When that intro was made, I objected to it, but we <laughs> did need we did need to fill that time. If you've seen that goal, you know that commentary is not that that goal deserves uh, a little. Bit, I always a little, assumed it was a penalty. So. No, it was a sensation. Tell you, it was a sensational goal, was it not? I'm sure it was, Pakua, but oh, hey, on. you know, it's your intro, it was, so it was, maybe, it maybe, points out. maybe we need to fix it. But, uh, Teo, you were commentating that uh, the final between MacArthur Rams and uh, the Northern Tigers. How did you, first of all, how did you find the game? And, uh, you know, can you take us through it? Well, I actually said after 90 minutes in the gap between full-time and the start of extra time that to be remembered as a great grand final, it probably needed a goal because nil-all draws don't live long in the memory. And unfortunately, I think the spectacle deserved a goal. But if, if not for the performance of Morgan Aquino, uh, then we we would have had many goals and it would have been quite a one-sided game and it may not have lived long in the memory other than for the winners, MacArthur, for very different reasons. But we went to a penalty shootout and I think that it would have been highway robbery had the Northern Tigers found a way to do it. They did get better as the game went on and Grace Gill, who very generously drove from Canberra to Sydney and back to commentate the game with me. Uh, I, I asked her during extra time, should the Northern Tigers take the risk of taking Malia Steinmetz out of the centre of defence, pushing her up the park, try to win it rather than settle for the lottery of penalty kicks? And Grace was of the opinion that Northern Tigers were starting to take over the game and didn't need to take that sort of a risk. But ultimately, they, they might be kidding themselves that they survived a, a barrage of chances and then didn't maybe do enough to try and win it without simply settling for a penalty shootout 
at the end of the game. But look, it, it was an entertaining day. The crowd was pretty modest at kickoff, but actually built up quite significantly in seats that were empty at kickoff were full by sort of the end of the first half. And, you know, beautiful weather, a really good day out. And, and I think MacArthur a deserving champion, given that third and fourth beat first and second in the semifinals. And it, it really was two of the maybe less heralded teams in terms of name recognition that ended up squaring off in the decider. Indeed, and all of that culminated in uh, in what was a, a pretty exciting penalty shootout. I mean, you can tell it's a good penalty shootout when you have a particular penalty that somehow manages to smack <laughs> off both posts. I mean, tell us uh, about the the craziness of uh, of that shootout because I know Pakua was furiously messaging me during that penalty shootout, being like, "What is happening? It's just it's got to be the penalty shootout, just the the best piece of sporting drama." Absolutely. Like for me, there is just no contest. Nothing grips me more than a penalty shootout. And uh, th- this one, Teo, I thought was, was no exception. Yeah, and I've never been a disliker of penalty shootouts. Often many games that go to extra time, you almost feel owed a penalty shootout for having gone the extra 30 minutes. But I, I actually do think that maybe it would have been more fitting had the game had a goal to remember it by rather than a penalty getting saved. I think it's pretty rough justice for Abby Green, who ultimately took the penalty which Sham Karmas saved to win MacArthur the championship. You talk about Darcy, uh, not Darcy, Madison McComiskey's uh, penalty that hit both posts. It was uh, one of those hair-raising moments, but it's not just that it hit both posts. It's that the ball, as it sort of bounced across the goal line, reared up unexpectedly off the paint of the goal into the other post on its way in. And uh, amongst the twists and turns, we had Kylie Ledbrook, the former Matilda, former Olympian and, and World Cup player for the national team and, and a very long-time W League era player for Sydney FC. She stepped up to take her last kick before retiring and, and it got saved. So she ends up on the winning team, but goes out, you know, perhaps grateful to her teammates for pulling through and saving the day in that shootout. But even though Morgan Aquino was the hot hand during the game, she did only save the one penalty in the shootout, converted her own spot kick as well, going as taker number five, but ultimately ended up as the best on ground medalist in the losing team. I was, when Morgan Aquino stepped up to take that penalty, I was so anxious because I just, I have this expectation when goalkeepers come up, I feel like they should be number 10 or number 11. I get very anxious about it. But she took that penalty quite well. So overall in that game, she was exceptional. But is that something that we've you should come to expect from her throughout the this season? Or is that kind of like a once-in-a-blue-moon kind of a performance? Well, well, these are the highs and lows of her career. You might remember when she was at the Brisbane Raw, there was a Thursday night game. I can't remember who it was against because I wasn't commentating it myself. But she was out of this world, making some incredible saves in that game too. And she's bounced around. You know, she's from WA, had gone to, to Brisbane and didn't quite work out there. And now going back to Perth, but Sarah Langman is also there. So they've got a genuine competition between mm-hmm. two goalkeepers that could probably quite capably be a number one. But are they sort of like a, you know, a 90% of the way to being a number one rather than an unquestioned number one? And that means they'll have a genuine battle. So it would be kind of a shame if, if Sarah Langman has a healthy and, and well-performed season. That won't be the last time we see Morgan Aquino until next NPL season, which seems kind of wild, given the league is getting a team bigger. And we're also going to have a number of foreign goalkeepers, particularly from America, coming over to play in the A-League Women's this summer. Mm. Well, Morgan was obviously one of a, a number of A-League Women's contracted players who featured not just throughout the New South Wales NPL season, which we know is the sort of uh, the the mecca, I guess, of um, off-season for, for A-League women's players, but plenty of them playing in this grand final. Were there any of those 
other than Morgan, obviously, because she's the one who's taken all the headlines, who, who really stood out to you in this game? Uh, not really. I, I think the, the most attractive thing about this grand final was it was a battle of fringe players and the unproven. The vast majority of players with A-League women's experience that played in the grand final had 20 appearances or less. Mm. So we're talking two or three seasons in the system and not established first-team players, the likes of Izzy Gomez for Northern Tigers, who's played for Wanderers, didn't work out there, is now going to Wellington Phoenix for another chance. Uh, Bethany Gordon, who you're getting on this show, has been to Canberra and Newcastle, has been released from Newcastle, and her next club, which you'll wander over to, is just around the corner. And then someone even like a, a Paddy Charalambus, who has always been from New South Wales, but could only get an opportunity, ever only ever get an opportunity in Western Australia with the Perth Glory in a couple of different stints. I mean, so they're players that also had something to prove because they've never been first choice or household names in the A-League women's when they've been there. They've always been trying to prove themselves. And I think it was also a story of those on the outside that are still trying to get a contract. I mean, we mentioned Madison McComiskey. This is someone who's been in college for the last couple of years in the United States, but is tall, is clearly athletic, has a good leap, knows how to read the ball in the air for a centre-back, which is priceless. And I'm at a bit of a loss as to you know how she hasn't been announced and signed by someone yet. It seems as though in a position where we are particularly short on Australian talent, um, someone like Madison McComiskey would be a godsend for their team. And, you know, if you're kind of looking at the league expanding, we've got Central Coast coming in next year, I don't see why someone like a Laura Murtagh who plays as a winger for the MacArthur Rams or someone like a, a Beth Bernardi who's a central midfielder kind of box-to-box for the Northern Tigers, why they won't be getting a look even if they are in sort of their mid-20s and they're no longer young prospects coming through. And then, for like in terms of the MPL New South Wales, people don't like particularly watch it as, as often, do you think a, the, a big strength of it is that sides like MacArthur and the Northern Tigers are – able to win the league when you've got a lot, a lot of these other teams like Sydney Olympic just who are got heaps and heaps of A-League women's um, talent in their squads, the the fact that these kind of sides are winning the competition? Well, I think the, the main thing you notice about football in New South Wales is uh, it is just an adult league. There are so many more players playing into their mid-20s uh, normally when you would expect a full-time job to get in the way. I think particularly in Victoria, it's, it's caused a lot of players to just drop down the leagues. You look below the new, the Victorian NPL, you look at the Premier League, which is the second tier, or State League 1, the third tier, and it's filled with XW League players. It's filled with ex-NPL players that just can't commit to training three nights a week that can get arguably the same or better money for a less strenuous commitment. Whereas I think in New South Wales, the, the pyramid seems to be taking care of uh, players to an extent. Uh, I mean, this is, there's no scientific or, or data evidence uh, for me to back this up other than simply you go to a game and the teams are just older. There are so many fewer children, really, players under the age of 18 that are regularly starting in this league. You see plenty of kids come off the bench and a lot of teams have their squad depth ch- tested during the course of the year. But I think the standard is just the result of players are retained for longer. And, you know, I, just the other day I was shocked to find out that Laura Sperinovic is only 30. And in this grand final, we had Lena Karmas, who's, you know, my age, sort of 34, 35, and Kylie Ledbrook, who's similar, still playing in the veteran years of their careers. And, and that's just such a rarity that you see down in the Victorian NPL. So whether it's the money, the environment, whether it's just the, the culture of the clubs, it's able to retain players for longer. And I think that speaks to why the standard is so good, because it's, it's harder for young players to break in. 
but also it retains good players for a lot longer. And in terms of those kinds of players that are have played through this season, who are kind of the standouts that we will continue to see their faces as we head into this um, A-League women's season? Look, I, I think there's been some good prospects who've popped up for a game here or there, but as far as like a whole season worth of performance, Claudia Chico from RPL Leichhardt only recently turned 18. She was a Western Sydney Wanderers train on last season, but my mail is she hasn't been retained by Wanderers. So I don't want to steal the thunder of the, the club that's going to announce them. I wouldn't want to nix their press release when they do send it out. But I do think that she'll be a bit of a revelation and she'll be one of those players that when we see her, everyone's going to say, oh, wait a minute, how did she slip under our nose? And maybe it's my fault for watching the games. I don't know. Um, and and then there's another player here who won the gold medal, Rolla Butterwea. Her backstory is she's an American, um, went to Italy to play for Roma. So she's played in a top league. And she moved to Australia because I believe her boyfriend slash partner is a water polo player for Sydney University. I think that was the backstory. And she finished only two goals behind Shea Connors in the Golden Boot Race and ended up winning the gold medal. So even though she would count as a foreign player, her performances over the course of the entire season, sort of both footed, scored, I think, 13 for the season, eight on the left. um, And then what would that be? Five on the right. From outside the box, the ability to combine with Holly Caspers, who scored 10 goals of her own for Sydney Uni. She was a standout for sure and a deserved medalist. And just on Caspers, she was coming back from an ACL last summer at Canberra United. So scored only the one goal. I don't think started a game, only played as a super sub. This summer, she's one to watch who's going to explode. But again, she hasn't actually uh, announced what club she's going to. All I do know is that Canberra won't be retaining her where she was last season. Well, you've sort of touched on it a little bit there. Some of the uh, the A League women sort of um, comings and goings in in the transfer market have been have been very hush hush. Some things are now sort of under the cover of darkness or in batches. But of what's been confirmed, of what you have seen, maybe a little bit of what you've heard as well. Are there any particular A League women sides who have um, caught the eye with their with their transfer activity? Yeah, Sydney FC buried the lead on signing two of the best players in the offseason. I think they announced 15 players at once, and they just they just very quietly hid that Deborah Ann Delahar had signed from Perth and Kirsty Fenton had signed from Newcastle. And it's like, okay, um, th- these two players definitely deserve a bit of shine here because they've lost Ali Green to Norway. They've lost Jessica Nash to victory. So they had a couple of gaps in their defence that needed to be filled. Kirsty Kirsty Fenton is someone who I've sung the praises on on the National Curriculum podcast or on my own social media when the Under-20 Women's World Cup was on. I think she's a sensation. I I really do think she could be in the national team, the senior national team right now due to the level of talent and dynamism that she has. And for for Newcastle to let someone, a homegrown local that's lived in Newcastle all their life, to let her walk, I'm bewildered. A Newcastle, you know, are they trying to compete... You know, what you want is to compete and to win. And the way you compete and win is every year you stop volunteering your best players to Sydney FC. Uh, Claire Wheeler took the same path, Newcastle to Sydney. Courtney Vine went to Western Sydney Wanderers. Now is at Sydney FC and is one of the best players in the league. And uh, Canberra have had it happen with a bunch of players as well who maybe they're from Sydney, they go down to Canberra for a year, or maybe they start in Canberra and Sydney FC just comes in and says, yep, I'll have you, you and you. Thank you very much. And, and at some point or another, Sydney is just the ship of Theseus. It doesn't matter who leaves. They replace the plank, in this case, possibly even with better planks. So they picked up two of the best players in the offseason 
And even if Remy Seamson doesn't come back from Sweden and they have to replace her goals from somewhere, I think they're going to have one of the best defences in the league. They've got Jada Wyman, uh, who's going to be back in goals. They, it's funny, she did some kit modelling for Sydney FC today, even though I don't believe they've announced her signing for the season. So I think you can take it as I think you can take it as red that if she's modelling the kit, uh, she's going to be back in sky blue for the season. Yeah, that's, 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 this is my thing. I, oh, this is why I love kit, the kit releases because I always every time I see a player there, I'm like, but that is as good as a re-signing yeah, announcement. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to announce 15 players uh, at once signing for your club, maybe the re-signings just get buried in the, in the kit announcement absolutely. as well. I mean. You mentioned in there uh, Canberra. Now, Canberra is a team who have fascinated me, probably Pakura as well, with their transfer business, albeit purely for uh, self-interested reasons, given the amount of players they've signed from NPL Victoria. What, what do you make of um, some of the, the talents they, they've plucked from the, uh, the the lesser appreciated of the, of the state NPLs? You know, I suspect that this might be them showing their hand uh, that now that the A-League women's is getting longer, you can take on project players. Normally, the expectation with an A-League women's or a W-League season is it's a short super series. You sign who you think is going to get you results in the next 10 weeks or 12 weeks or last season for the first time it was 14 weeks. This year, it's up to 20. It's the biggest jump in terms of the number of games we've ever seen, and next year it'll be 22. And the expectation is that A-League women's is now going to become the primary football home of these players as opposed to a short series over summer and then their primary football home is the NPL. So when I see an Emily Roach or a Holly Murray signing for Canberra United, I think this is a multi-year development project for those players as opposed to go out and win us something right now. Negos Popovich is, I'm sure you'll have him on for an interview at some point. He's a fascinating guy. He is a lovely man. He's kind of a genuine statesman of the game. Uh, I'm, I'm still a little dubious as to the talent that they're assembling in Canberra. I'm but my nice way of saying I can't see them making the top four. But um, one thing that really hurts them is they signed Grace Jarley and Beck Burrows, and then shortly after, Beck Burrows tore her ACL and will be out for the entire season. So that's a pretty devastating blow to commit to one of your import players and then have them get injured months before the season even kicks off. So they've still got plenty of gaps on the roster to fill Canberra. And uh, as with many of the teams, when it comes to predicting the latter, who they sign from overseas will probably dictate, you know, could they finish as low as 10? Could they finish as high as 5th or 6th and be giving the finals a, a good shake? I think if you get your foreign players right, that really determines where you'll finish. Uh, if you're outside what I suspect is going to be a big two, or well, a big three, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC and Adelaide United, all of whom who largely retained the core of their teams that got them into the finals last season and will complement that by bringing in top international players. See, Terry, when you said Adelaide United, I got very excited because I'm a big fan of Adelaide United and I'm, I enjoyed a lot of their work they did last season, them and Perth Glory. They were two of my favourites of the, you know, didn't make the finals, but um, the grand final. Well, just just on Adelaide Pekua, yeah. they haven't announced, I don't believe, Nanako Sasaki yet, but she was in their kit launch too. So Mate, I think we can, take it, we, can take it, we can take it as read that she's back. Kit launches, that's the new uh, press release. for it's just the new re-signing, it's, I guess. It's the new yeah. re-signing. And we look forward to many more. And, uh, more kit releases. More kit <laughs> releases. <laughs> so I've liked some of the kits we've, we've yeah, seen uh, so far. But um, Teo, thank you for joining us. And uh, we will have you back on to, do, you know, when we do a season preview of the it's Alien. It's an order. It's not even a request. Exactly, it's an order. Yeah. You, you have to come on. Um, it's when we, you know, talk, break down what to expect for the upcoming A-League women's season. And uh, thank you for making time for us on on, on this show. Uh, a pleasure. And uh, thank, thank you to both of you for having me on and any time.
we'll uh, head to a break and then, uh, Lockie, got a good exciting interview uh, after the break. Who do we speak to? Yeah, we're speaking to, speaking to Beth Gordon, uh, unnamed A-League women's club player next season, Amazing. Beth Gordon. Gordon. But uh, more importantly, um, victorious with the MacArthur Rams over the weekend. Absolutely. So uh, we'll head to that chat uh, on the other side of the break. Pickett, she lays it off, Teresa Polaris! It's an absolute peach! Is driving! What a hit from Melina Reyes! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick! Meet him up, one Welcome back to Radio Dub, our New South Wales NPL Grand Final Edition. We're continuing our... Our renationalisation procure of Radio Dub. It's been a Victorian-centric program as, as the A-League Women's has been in its off-season, but we're slowly broadening our horizons, and what better way to do that than to continue the review of the, the grand final, which saw a dramatic penalty shootout win for the MacArthur Rams. But Kill, you were furiously messaging me as this game was going on, like, wow, this this penalty save, uh, penalty shootout is incredible. How did you uh, enjoy your, your taste of uh, NPL football up in New South Wales? Lucky, I was stressed. I, I was feeling like, what's going on? What have I, what have I, like, I haven't watched enough games this year, but it was a fantastic final. I really, really enjoyed it. And we saw some really clutch penalties. And that bounce off the two posts, I, I had to pause my TV. I'm serious. I had to pause. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if it was in, didn't know it was out, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, but nobody can ever say Radio Dub. We don't, you know, we don't go across the states because we do, Lockie. No, we do. there are some people who say that there's like this Victorian New South Wales like Cold War going on. We both hate each other. Not on this program. Not on this program. No, no, we no, give voice to, to both sides of the uh, of the two states and of the victorious members of that that grand final side. And I think who better to turn to than uh, the person who was responsible for getting MacArthur Rams into the grand final with an extra time goal. Uh, I speak none other of none other than than Beth Gordon, who joins us now. Beth, uh, welcome to Radio Dub. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have a chat about all things MPL, A-League and anything else. See, Beth, we, we discussed this, but I just want to be for the public, for everybody to know, Beth, how old are you? Just wanted to set the record straight one time. I am 22, just turned over a month ago, 22 years old, born in 2000. I'm not 23, I'm not 24 or any other age, just 22. Okay, easy. That works. Lucky we've got it. We've got the big, big key question out the way. Yeah. Well, were, you, were you aware, Beth, that there are so many like different websites and like stats areas that just seem to be re- like really confused about your age? Like you're some sort of like Benjamin Button figure or something. <laughs> I was confused as well because I always thought I was born in 2000, but <laughs> some people listed me in 97. So, yeah, I was as confused as everyone else. <laughs> now, Beth, 22, you just won uh, your NPL title in New South Wales. What was that like, you know, with your team? Were you, what was the celebrations like? What was the lead-up like all, all the whole week? Oh, the lead-up. The lead-up was great. It was, it was pretty much... The same all year. The goal was the same for every single player and staff member that was involved. Um, everyone really had the same end goal, which was to win a trophy. Obviously, everyone wants to go out and win a premiership, but when that wasn't wasn't looking like happening, the, the grand final was obviously the next step. So for us to get that trophy at the end of it was 
yeah, I mean, not really anything you can describe. It was obviously a great moment to, once you've envisioned it, to actually go out and take it home with everyone that you've done all the hard work with all year. So, mm. yeah. Well, we will talk more about the the nuts and bolts of the actual grand final itself. But I do want to go one step back to the semis because you did make it to extra time against RP. And I've already mentioned it, so I've got to ask you about it again. The, the winning goal in extra time scored by uh, none other than, than yours truly, Beth Gordon. I mean, take us through what, what was going through your mind in that moment because it wasn't it wasn't like a, a scrappy extra time goal to like save the day, <laughs> people falling over themselves to get it in. It was a, a pure hit from the edge of the box. So what was going through your mind uh, on that day at Lambert Park? Oh, I mean, that game all up was pretty big for us as a squad. We'd obviously lost both round games to Apia. So coming into that final, we were coming off a good run. So we really wanted to showcase that didn't matter who we were coming up against. Yes, we'd had two losses against them during the season, but we could come out and put our best foot forward and take home the points and make that grand final. So throughout that game, I think the team really just continued that lift that we'd had the past few weeks and put everything into it. And then in that moment, after going through, I think it was 110 minutes, yeah, I think it was just like it's now or never. You've got to take your chances. I think we had other chances in the games from other players and different build-ups where we could have taken the points. But for us to get it in that 110th minute and extra time after all the hard work and effort that the girls had put in, yeah, I think I just just went for it. It wasn't something I don't do a lot. I mean, at training, those are positions that I'm shooting from. Obviously, as a midfielder, an eight box-to-box midfielder, you really do try and make those those opportunities count. So, yeah, I think I just took the opportunity and that one went in. No, absolutely. More than entitled based on uh, what happened to to have bought a ticket and ultimately um, won the raffle. But I can imagine it would have been particularly satisfying to get a result against that Arpia side as well, like a really... Uh, star-studded, like strong 11 on paper. You've mentioned the head-to-head results. But over the course of this, like the back half of the season, you guys have been one of the strongest performing teams. I think you only lost two games or something like that after after July, and that's taken you through all the way to, to a grand final win. I mean, what was the, the secret to that sort of barnstorming back end of the season? Um, I mean, I don't think it should be a secret. I think it's just every single person in the squad, not just in first grade, but reserve grade as well. And even the 18 sitting up as well. So every single person getting in there together and training every session and putting in the effort together is really what got us there. No one really turned away for a second. Everyone always had their their mind on the goal. And yeah, I think we just continued to build and build and build even till the last training session, we had every single reserve grader there pushing us on to to get the trophy. So that was really it. It was just a common goal and everyone's drive to reach it. Is the benefit of not maybe like finishing the top of the table when the finals start, that you guys are just the hunters and there's no extra pressure because the pressure's all on that team above you? Yeah, I think if you look, I mean, some people wouldn't have looked, but there's a few punters out there. Um, they would have seen almost every week we were 
pretty much the underdogs were underrated for a while. And yeah, I mean, there was never really any pressure for us to to go out and win other than ourselves putting on the expectation that we can win. So for us to come into the finals, there was nothing to lose. There was only ourselves to to impress ourselves with where we could get to. So that was what we were reaching for. And yeah, I think that did come down to the fact that nobody did think that we were the top of the top because we didn't finish first. But yeah, I think we came a long way with ourselves believing that we could be there. Is that something for you as a footballer, is that something you you enjoy that people maybe doubt you and then you go out there and, you know, outshine what they their expectations of you are? Yeah, I think 100%. I think and in, in going into the grand final, once we started that game, I did think that there probably would have been a few people watching that thinking, wow, like they they can perform and they are doing well and they are controlling the game. And I think previously before that, people wouldn't have looked at us that we were at that level. But, yeah, definitely in the final, I think we kind of showed people that we are the underdogs, but we can impress and outdo and and all of the above mm. and and in that game you were, you were performing well you were taking control creating the better of the chances there really was just one thorn in the side and that was uh that was the opposition goalkeeper Morgan Aquino who just pulled off some ridiculous saves in that game eventually you know being a large part of the reason that it, it ended up going to penalties after extra time were you starting to wonder are we ever going to be able to actually beat this uh beater on the day <laughs> uh look morgan was great she she did she did kind of keep them in the game i feel i think we created more than enough chances to to win that game in the 90 not that not that Tigers weren't in the game. I think towards the back end, they did have some runaway chances that they could have pinned us back and and taken the points. But overall, I think we did control the game. I think if we slot our, slot our finishing in a bit better, then maybe Morgan doesn't get to them. But I think, yeah, she was a really big part in them, in them pushing the game to penalties, yeah. Does the win get a little bit sweeter? Just a little bit after, you know, all that struggles that you've had in the 120 minutes before that doesn't matter if we still got there at the end of the day even with her saving those having those incredible saves yeah I think well for us going to penalties we weren't worried we'd practice penalties obviously the few weeks before that every session we'd we were coming in confident obviously we didn't want to get there but getting there we knew that we we were confident every single player that was going to take a penalty knew what they wanted to do I think we probably probably had a few people on our side above when when Maka hit hit both posts. Um, I think at that point we probably got a boost and Tigers probably put their heads down a little bit. But yeah, it definitely it definitely was sweet knowing that we did go the hard yards. We played the 120 minutes the week before to get there. 120 minutes again in the final, and then we finished it off finished it off with the penalties. On one of those successful penalties, obviously, was yours. Tell us about the uh, approach, walking up to a a, a penalty shootout. You know, the the chance to to um, score for your side in such a crucial moment. Were there was there ever an, an element of, of of doubt that that crept in? I mean, it would have been given the game that 
that Morgan had had to that point, it would have been easy for anyone to be like, oh, I don't know, she's been pretty good. Maybe I'm not going to get the better of her. What was what? Where was the head at in in that moment? Um, I've taken a few penalties in my life, so I feel like I have a pretty sturdy head with where I know that what I'm going to do in a penalty. I know that you have to be confident in yourself. It it should be an easy task. Obviously, pressure makes it a little bit less easy. But, yeah, I think I was walking out confident. I knew where I wanted to put the ball. And, yeah, you just need to sell it and hope that Morgan follows your lead. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't casting any doubts about, you, <laughs> about your credentials. It looked like a, a comfortable and, and confident penalty. Uh, that's for sure. Now, the other person I wanted to ask about in, in, in all of this, she didn't score in the penalty shootout, but she did get the grand final win with her side in her sort of swan song game, and that is Kylie Ledbrook. What has she meant to, to this team and to, to women's football in general, and how happy uh, were you for her to, to get that grand final glory on the final day? Oh, I think Kylie, yeah, she's done obviously a lot in women's football. She's done a lot for Rams as a club. Um, I think me joining Rams a couple of years ago, the goal for me was to go out and join my football. And I think knowing that I could play alongside such prestigious players as Kylie Lebrook, Lena Kamis, um, a few of the others as well. For me, knowing that I was a part of that journey of hers and knowing that I was a part of that grand final win to send her off just, yeah, I mean, it, it made it, it made it all the worthwhile, all the efforts just 10 times better to know that she got the send-off that she she deserved. So you've played in some big games. Now, if I get this wrong, I do blame the internet because I've done my re- I thought I've done some my research. Mm-hmm. AFC Under-19s Women's Championship China 2017? Yes. A- AFF Under-20s Women's Championship in 2018? Yes. Are we getting these dates correct? Yes. 24 years old. Is that, that's, that's right as well. Yes. No. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. one, I was also 24 at the time of those as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now we know, now we know you've just aged rappers, but what was it like playing in those kinds of uh, tournaments and just being there? I mean, those were the first times that I, I got ticked off to have the Jersey, the Australian Jersey on my back, which was obviously an amazing moment. So I think you could always you could always try and look back and go, oh well, maybe we wanted to win this game and and get the title here or play more minutes there. But any time that you get to put the jersey on is such an honor. So for me, as I think I was, get your rage right, Beth. You can't get can't get it wrong again. Just just turned seventeen. Yeah, just turned seventeen. We went to China and to be there in that moment, it was. It was an amazing feeling to go out into those stadiums to to have the kit in the change room and be surrounded by such talent and well drilled girls to to play in that squad with. It was just yeah, it was I was overexcited. Overexcited. I feel like overexcited is a good thing, Lucky. That's all that's how we feel when we're about to start raining. I would rather be I mean if you if you put a gun to my head and you were like overexcited or underexcited, I would more often than not pick overexcited. So no, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you've, you've, 
Go on, you go, uh, See what, look what's happening. We're too no, nice. We're too nice. This is this is the problem with you. All right, I'll be I'll be yeah. selfish. Um, you you've kicked on as well, Beth. That you sort of had a, a breakout season. I think is fair to say with Newcastle. You know, you got a, a good run of games, um, some starts as well, and then obviously you've backed that up with some great performances in the NPL this season. Obviously, particularly in the grand final too. Do you feel like you know twenty two? Definitely twenty two. There's still plenty of uh, of career left to go. Do you feel like things are sort of falling into place and and kicking into gear at, at the right time for you? Yeah, I mean. I've definitely come to a point where 2021 over the summer and now into 22, I've definitely felt that I'm enjoying football more and I feel like there's definitely more of a future where I can see it rather than probably start of 21. I was playing to play and trying to get somewhere but not really seeing the opportunity. Um, I think Jets definitely gave me that opportunity, which was great. Um, and then moving into Rams this year was obviously a very fruitful year for us. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely 22. I think, I think, I hope there's more of a future left. Um, definitely, I don't think that I'm old in the game, but yeah, I think, I think there should be some more future left in me yet. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we look forward to seeing you play. It's a weird thing in the A-League women's that the the age group, the like the average age seems to get younger all the time and people who are like 22, 23, some of the oldest in the, the teams. What's that dynamic like? What does that feel like? Oh, I mean, it, it, it is very evident that the teams are getting younger, I think, because quite a few of the girls, once they're getting that little bit older, they're looking to go overseas and, and once they're over there, if they make a name, they want to stay over there at the highest level. So I do think that the age does feel a bit younger. But for me, knowing that everyone's kind of in there pushing to go to the same level, there's not really an issue with the age. Um, I think for me being 22, it's good. A lot of the girls around my age I've played with a lot. So for us to kind of know each other and and be pushing to kind of further our careers together and and win games and take championships and stuff, I think that's obviously a good thing. So, yeah, I think the age is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> What's the, for you, What do you have an ultimate ambition or are you trying to keep that to yourself and having that as like just setting your goals yourself so you don't allow other people to influence maybe your goals as well? Oh, no, I think my, obviously my ambitions would be I want to be able to play consistently in A-League. I want to be able to make my mark. I then want to go overseas, play somewhere at a high level, establish myself a little bit more. And then obviously I don't think anyone would say that their goal isn't to play for Australia. That's obviously the goal. Um, That would be the highest honour that you can achieve. So, yeah, I don't think anyone else is going to change my mind over those goals and that's it really. I feel like they're good goals, Lockie. Would you not say? They're yeah, good I mean, goals? They're, they're they're probably good goals for you. Are they good goals for 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 Kura and I? You know, probably not no, in the sense not that they're probably not, probably not realistic. <laughs> but they are no, they're fundamentally um, good goals. I did want to ask just a, a little bit more about that that season with Newcastle. Obviously, getting the amount Ooh. of um, you know game time as you did um, compared to sort of previous years. Was there a a sort of biggest lesson of that season that you you took out of that time was there something that really 
um, you took on board as a as a result of of getting those kind of extra minutes playing against some um, you know some serious talents in the comp? Um, I mean, really, the biggest thing I took was just to take every opportunity you get. So, obviously, I got my opportunity in round one against Sydney. Um, that opportunity only lasted roughly. 27 minutes until I did my MCL. So that was obviously not the opportunity that I thought it was going to turn out to be. Um, But six weeks later, I got another opportunity and I started my next game. And then I kind of just went on from there. So to be in and around that environment and to put the effort in and then to be given those opportunities, that's, yeah, probably the biggest thing I'd take from that is just when it comes take it because it could potentially be gone for six weeks um and then yeah you have to get back in so every opportunity you have to take that's that's what I took from that well see it's it sounds sorry just to say it sounds like your dog is very eager for you to be back playing a league uh, because <laughs> they are having a field day out there yeah I mean someone's obviously doing the lawns or something because she's getting a bit excited <laughs> Well, yeah, Beth. Obviously, you know, predominantly both eyes on on, on what's to come. Um, the the potential seasons uh, or season ahead, seasons ahead. But um, tomorrow as well. Uh, we, we do like to, you know, on, on this program, we we like to talk about the players. We like to dip into the 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 lifestyle, the actual person themselves as well. And obviously, tomorrow we nearly got in the way of 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 the Rams' end of season. Uh, presentation, the end of season celebration. Uh, what do you, should we, are there any important details we need to know about tomorrow? Is there like, Bakul wants to know, is there a dress code? Is there some sort of set up? Oh, Who's the person you want to be spending the most time code, with? Yeah. T- tell us about it. <laughs> there's definitely a dress code. There always is. Um, there'll probably be some, some photos of the dress code, probably the dress code only flying around. Um, so our dress code is actually, Anything that starts with an M from MacArthur. Okay. But there's also anything that starts with an R or an L for Rob Laws, uh, the main man of the club. He's actually leaving uh, at the end of this season, obviously. Um, So, yeah, anything that starts with an M, an R or an L is our go-to costume outfit pickings. Lucky, I'll be honest with you. When when you said M, Beth, I said minions. That's all I could think of. (laughs) I, honestly, I think some of the girls are going as minions. So you might see a minion or two. Yeah, it's the only like it's the only thing that came to my mind. I was like, look, look, I feel like you would you would be Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. I feel like that's what you would. Well, see, like I that. also thought of minions, but like I didn't want to be the one who said minions. You never want to be the person oh, who says minions, mm-hmm. you know? Minions, exactly. You, but you know what? Minions are great. They've had a great year. <laughs> Beth, you've had a great year, and so. That was the ultimate segue. Thank you, Lucky. We <laughs> um, <laughs> um, really appreciate you taking time to speak to us today and um, good luck with this season. Have fun at your end of season uh, celebrations. Hopefully the minions have a great time tomorrow. <laughs> um, can we actually, do we get to know what, what your what your costume is going to be? Or is that a state secret? Yes, yeah, Look, I would say it is a secret. But it actually doesn't exist yet. I have how many hours left in the day to figure it out. So okay. wish me luck on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be scrambling. So okay. I'm going to come up with we, something good. 
Yeah, we we wish you luck and we will leave you because we want you to figure that out. And uh, thank you for joining us. Pickett, she lays it off to Reza Polaris. 